thankful that when I was six years old, I did just that. The Lord convicted my heart. I was a sinner lost, bound for hell. And the only way that I could avoid that was if I trusted Jesus. His finished work on the cross, His death, burial, and His resurrection. Friends, that's what saves us. The gospel is what saves us. It's by grace through faith we're saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And I can tell you right now, man would boast if they could work their way to heaven. They could pay their way to heaven. There's a lot of rich men here on this earth. You got the ones that own all the, the Facebook and Microsoft and, and they may think they could, they could buy their way into such a place, but there's no money can buy it. It's only through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can go to heaven. Amen. Well, I, I do have a message this morning. And uh, if you want to turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, be taking our text from. And we'll look at verses 6 through 10, Lord willing, this morning. Acts chapter 16, looking at verses 6 through 10. And we'll go ahead and read our text. Here the Bible says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go to Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning thanking you the reading of your word. God, I'm asking now that you help us as we try to preach for just a few minutes, God, that you'll be glorified, you'll be exalted. God, keep me out of the way. Lord, put our selfish feelings out of our minds this morning. Anything that may be hindering us today from seeing the Lord Jesus, God, push that out of this place. And God, may we see you and you only. For these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And amen. You can be seated. Uh, this text we read is some of my very favorite of the Bible. If you know me at all, I love teaching and preaching about the Apostle Paul and all the things that he did. Uh, I tell you, the Lord used that man probably more than any other that we read about in the Bible. And uh, on this particular instance, it's on his second missionary journey. And so this morning, these five verses, I want us to think about the thought of tarrying in Troas. Tarrying in Troas. And look at our opening text, verse 6 again, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. The Bible says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. All right, so right away we find something very interesting. Here we have Paul and his missionary team, and they're headed out to preach the gospel. I mean, that, that's what he does. That's who he is. He's a, he's a missionary. He's the, one of the first forms of a missionary. He's an apostle. He's, uh, he's a preacher of the gospel. And so him and his team, they're going out to do what they do, preach the gospel. And so obviously they want to go where the most people are. They want to go where they're going to get heard. They want to go where it's needed. And so they try to go to some places, uh, and they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost. They were wanting to go up into the Asia region. Now, when we think of Asia, we think of, of China and places like that. But this is more up to the north there of Galatia, up to the, the top. If you've got a map in the back of your Bible, most of us do, You'll find there a map, and you'll see the churches of Asia listed up there. And that's where they were planning to go, but the Bible says the Holy Ghost uh, forbid them to go there. 
In other words, it wasn't God's will that they go into that region, not at that time. And so we think, well, that seems a little odd. I mean, shouldn't the gospel be preached to whoever and, and wherever and whenever? Well, well, sure, it's needed in a lot of places, but it's needed most where God says it's needed the most. And so the Holy Ghost has forbid them to go to the place that they decided to go. Now, obviously, the Lord has bigger plans for Paul than, than what we see at this time. Now, may I say to you this morning that even things that are good, even things that are noble, even things that ought to be done don't necessarily mean it's God's will for you to do it at that time. There are a lot of Christians today that have decided on their own to go out and do some kind of ministry to do something that they want to do, or maybe they have the, the talent to do it or the means to do it. And so they step out and just start doing things when if they had waited on the Lord to direct their footsteps, they would have been doing something much better. So there's a lot of good things you can do, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's God's will for you to be doing that thing at that time. There's nothing worse than spending our lives, our time, our hours and days and nights focused on something that God would rather have us focused on something else because we could do a whole lot better for the Lord's work if we would do his will and not our own. In fact, we're instructed in God's word to try the spirits. So we need to make sure that everything we do, and that doesn't just pertain to, to false doctrine and, and, and false teachers and stuff. Uh, to try the spirits means any kind of spirit. So you need to try your own spirit to make sure it's in line with God's spirit. And so let's not waste our time on doing things that's only our own will and not God's. Now, Paul is, and his team here, they're wanting to do a good thing. And if they had, they would have been doing it under their own will and not the Lord's will. Now look at verse 7. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. Now, you know, one of the hardest things to do is when you're trying to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit is to wait. You know, and the Bible tells us in several places we are to wait. Wait upon the Lord. Uh, we are to wait on his direction. We're to wait upon him to lead us. And that's one of the most difficult things to do, especially when you can look and see something that you believe should be done or needs to be done. And, and so you just want to jump out and start doing it. And so the Bible instructs us we have to wait. Paul is wanting to go and preach. I mean, that man had a fire down in his bones. He wanted to get it out. He wanted to tell people about the Lord. And so when he starts going off, the Holy Spirit says, hang on, no, no, you're not going there. I've got somewhere else for you, but you need to wait. And nobody likes to wait. I can't stand waiting. We go to the grocery store. We go to the food city in Blaine. That's where we buy groceries. And we'll go, and depending on what day it is, that place may be so packed you can't hardly move in there. And we'll get to the checkout line, and they may have three registers open, and they've got at least 20 people waiting in line. And we're all the way backed up into the, into the aisle, you know. It just irritates me to death. Sometimes Mary says, here's the keys. Go, go sit in the car and wait on me. Uh, but it just irritates me at, at that line. And I'll see one that's a little shorter and I'm thinking, I'm just going to switch over there. And if I do, I'll be waiting longer because they'll have the price check or something will happen over there. Somebody will be changing out. The cashier's ready to go and they got to replace them. And so, but nobody likes to wait. Uh, there's nothing worse than waiting in traffic. 
I don't know where Brother Jonathan went on vacation, but I'm assuming that somewhere where there's some traffic. If he went up to Pigeon Forge, I know for a fact that he's, he's set in some traffic. Uh, going home, I, I, my office where I work, I have to go in two days a week. And it's all the way out there uh, on Bertle Camp Drive, which is on Hardin Valley Road. It takes me an hour to get there from my house if there's no traffic. But if there's traffic, I'm telling you what, to go through Powell, what is it, Dry Gap to, to Central Avenue Pike or whatever, all the way through Powell, sometimes I'm out there 15, 20 minutes sitting in that traffic, people getting on the interstate, off the interstate, going to the hospital, going to this and that. And uh, it's, there's nothing worse than waiting. Uh, and that's where the Apostle Paul has found himself. He's waiting. He's waiting in a place that he didn't plan to go to. Uh, he's waiting along with Timothy, uh, Silas, and Luke. Uh, they're waiting. They're all waiting on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And it appears from Scripture that they had it in their minds after leaving Galatia to travel north into Asia. But the Bible says they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach there at that time. And so it appears from Scripture they had made up their minds now to travel south to Bithynia. But the Spirit wouldn't allow them to do that. And so it doesn't matter where they're trying to go, north, south, whatever, God says no. No. Verse 8, And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. And so they've decided they're going to stop off right here to wait upon the Lord, wait on his direction. Now, the, the great apostle Paul, if you, if you think about it, how, how great he was, uh, how, how big of a teacher he was and a preacher he was, a leader of, of men to Christ, to think that he's having to wait I mean, it seems like a waste of his time and his resources and God's, God's time. But God has a plan. I'm sure that Paul would have rather been anywhere else at that point than in Troas. I mean, he's what we call a mover and a shaker. He's a traveling man. He's looking for bigger and better places to share the gospel. Have you ever found yourself there in a place that you didn't really want to be? Did you find yourself in a Troas at some point? You know, oftentimes I make plans to do something, and the harder I try to make it happen, the further away I get from getting there. And I'm not much of a planner. Mary can tell you, if I want to do something, I usually just start doing it. Uh, if it was up to me, after services tonight, I'd jump in the car and I'd go, go down to the Isle of Palms or Sullivan's Island and, and stay overnight or whatever and come back home the next day or what if that if that was up to me. Now, if I tell Mary that's my plan, she's no, no, well, hang, hang on a minute. We've got to check to see if we have any money. We've got to make sure we have all these things packed. We've got to prepare for this and plan. We've got to set up. You know. So she's a planner. She's got everything planned out to a T. I'm not like that. I, I don't plan. I'm just at the moment. And it appears here that that the Apostle Paul is having to wait here. And um, so what do we do when we find ourselves in a place like this, in a Troas, where we're having to wait, uh, tread water, spin our wheels, and don't know what to do? Do we find a good place just to curl up and, and hang out and take a nap and wait it out well, until something better comes along? Do we put a stop to everything just, just so long, you know, uh, wasting away our days? What do we do? Well, what did Paul do while he was in Troas? Well, if you rightly divide the word of truth, like we're told to do in God's word, you will find that Paul did not stay doing nothing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, we find Paul writing a letter to that church at Corinth. Now, 
according to the Bible, Paul spent more time trying to church those people than any other church that, that he was involved in. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Now thanks be unto God, which always caused us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. So even though Paul wasn't quite in the place that he had planned to go or intended to, he still made good use of his time. You see that? He was there to preach the gospel, even in this, this spot that was unplanned where God's got him waiting in Troas. He preached the gospel. I like what he said there in verse 14. He said, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in where? Every place. Every place. Not just Galatia, not just in Ephesus, not just in the churches up in Asia, not this or that, but every place. It may not be where you thought you would be. It may not be where you want to be. It may not be where you plan to stay. Paul wasn't planning to stay there and hang out. But wherever it is that God has you, it's exactly where he needs you to be so that he can direct you of what he wants you to do. Paul allowed God to use him even in Troas. Now, does it mean he wasn't ready to go? No, it doesn't mean that. In fact, when he did finally get to leave, he left so fast he left his coat there in Troas. We know that because he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.13, the cloak that I left to Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. And so Paul got out of there so quick, he even left his coat. Uh, he, was, he was in a hurry. Of course, now Paul, uh, he was so anxious to get, get to work for the Lord uh, after the, uh, the, our next verse. Let's look at our next verse. Verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Now I can see, just see Paul there in his room, uh, tearing in Troas, praying, asking God for direction. Um, we don't know if he was asleep. It says it was at the night, in the nighttime. Perhaps he was sleeping. He may have been praying. He may have just been meditating. Might have been reading scripture. We don't know what Paul was doing. It was in the nighttime. And suddenly Paul receives a vision. A vision. Now in Paul's vision, he sees a man of Macedonia. Obviously, the person that he saw was dressed in the clothing they would have dressed in in Macedon. So he immediately connects that man because of the way he looks as a man from Macedonia. And of course, the man says, come over into Macedonia and help us. And so this plea is for help. The help needed was the preaching of the gospel. Make sure you take note of that. The help they needed was the preaching of the gospel. The man from Macedonia did not say, come over to, to Macedonia and feed us. Come over to Macedonia and clothe us. Come over to Macedonia and dig us a well. Now, while all those things are good things, and those things need to be done, and we have missionaries on the mission field who do do those things, and those are good things. But the thing that is most needed is the preaching of the gospel. And that's what the man from Macedonia came to Paul in the vision of the night and said, we need you. Come over and help us in Macedonia. Now, as far as we can tell, the gospel had never, ever even been preached in Macedonia before. They had no clue about Jesus. This was a heathen culture. 
This was a dangerous land, and it had dangerous people in it. Uh, for Paul and his missionary team to travel to, over west to Macedonia, it would have been a great risk. They would have been facing all kinds of things on the way, and we know they did. Paul writes many times about all the trials and troubles that he had while he was going on his trips. Many trials waited on him. Friend, I want you to realize that until the apostle Paul stepped on the shores of Macedonia, the gospel had never reached over into the area of Europe. I mean, this is, this is a first. Think about the implications of this. If Paul had not obeyed the Holy Spirit, if he had not waited uh, there in Troas and waited for God to show him where to go, none of us may be here right now at this moment in this church. This country may not know anything about the gospel if it had not been for the Apostle Paul being obedient to the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I like verse 10 where it says, immediately we endeavor to go. That word endeavor means a strenuous effort. It means an attempt to achieve. We know what it means uh, to endeavor to do something, what it means to endeavor to go. In other words, it's immediate. No questions asked, no putting up a, a, an argument about it. No, God, I wanted to go to Asia. Lord, we wanted to go south. Lord, we want to go north. And you're sending us west. Now, he didn't do any of that. Immediately, they endeavored to go. How many of us today can say when God urges us to do something that we immediately are obedient and do it? Am I the only one that oftentimes holds back and resists and puts up arguments? Am I the only guy like, like Moses standing there in front of God saying, but, 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 but God, I, I can't speak well. I can't do this. Am I the only one? I mean, listen, that's our flesh that does that to us. God lays something in our heart and we resist it. God may have laid on your heart today to get up and, and maybe give your testimony. And you said, oh, nobody wants to hear my testimony. Nobody wants to hear what I've got to say. Maybe God laid on your heart to get up and sing a song this morning. You said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't sing good or nobody wants to hear me sing or anything. I've done it. I've, I've been in church long enough my whole life to know it goes on nearly every service. God works in our hearts. He stirs our hearts and tells us things that he wants us to do. And church is not a spectator sport. It is a participation event. We are to participate when we come to the house of God. It's not a place where we come and watch a show. You're not up here to watch Brother Jonathan put on a show when he preaches. You're here to support him and to worship God. You're here to worship him and to use the gifts that God gave you within the church to help because we're all a body of Christ. With Christ being the head and we each have a place to do a thing for him. And yet we push him away. We quench the spirit. God, I'm not smart enough. God, I don't speak good enough. I can't sing good enough. I can't talk in front of people good enough. I'm backward. I'm bashful. I'm shy. I'm this. I'm that. God didn't ask you about all that. He said, here's what I want you to do. This is what I need for you to do today to glorify me. And we say, no. And then we kick ourselves afterwards. Man, I should have done what God told me to do. 
I should have got up and sung that song. Has God ever put it on your heart to sing a song and you refused and somebody else got up and sung that song? It's happened to me. And it was like the whole time God was saying, see, I told you. I told you I wanted a song, son. And I go home kicking myself. What if Paul said, man, oh, Lord, no, really, listen, I don't want to go west. Those are some mean people over there. I don't want to put my team at risk. I don't want anybody to, to get hurt. Uh, those people over there, besides, they don't know anything about Jesus, and they care less. They worship demonic gods and everything else over there in that land. I, you know, what if Paul had done that? No, God, I'm just not going to do that. I'm sorry, this is it. Well, I'll tell you what would have happened. Or better yet, I'll tell you what would not have happened. First of all, Macedonia is in northern Greece. All right, Now, Paul, in his first missionary journey, was over there in Galatian area. Now, his second one here, he's moving in further. Macedonia is in northern Greece. And because the Greeks had a great culture and political influence in, in the Roman society, eventually Rome did, uh, the, uh, the, the Christianity spread through Rome uh, after this. Now, after some time, Rome actually adopted Christianity. At first, they were trying to stomp it out. You know, they're responsible there when Christ, you know, was crucified. They were in charge. They were, they were not Christian. But eventually, they did become a Christian nation. Uh, since Rome became Christian, all of Europe also became Christian at that time. The Reformation occurred in Europe. And because of this, England began the Church of England. Well, because of that, the English government became oppressive toward anyone who would not worship in the Church of England. So what happened? The pilgrim says, nope, not us. And what did they do? They crossed across the ocean, and the Puritans, they came and set sail for America. They stepped foot on here, and this led to, eventually, the Revolutionary War and the birth of the United States of America, which leads us to where we are this morning at Outreach Baptist Church sitting on a pew because we're Christians and because we came here to worship and serve the Lord all because one man was obedient to the Holy Spirit and said, Lord, yes, I'll go there. I will go to Macedonia. Think about it. What if he'd continued on in Troas and decided not to? What if he had not followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit? There's a good chance that we may be a pagan culture today. And, and I know it looks like we're getting that way already uh, after all these years of America. I mean, we're a young country. We're, we're one of the youngest of all the world. But yet we were built upon Christian and moral foundations, godly principles. And it seems like those are getting eroded every day. The laws are being passed of such sinful things. And it seems like we're headed in that direction. But listen, what is God asking you to do? Has he got you in a Troas right now? Or is he speaking to you and saying, listen, I've got some work for you to do. Is there something that, that God's doing? You may say, well, look, I used to do things when I was young. I had a person at, at the church I used to pastor. And I was, we were needing help. We needed Sunday school teachers. We needed uh, workers. We needed things. And so I put the call out one day. And I said, listen, we need help here. And this lady came to me and said, you know what, Brother Byron? I used to be a Sunday school teacher here. I said, what do you mean used to be? Yeah, back a long time ago, I used to be a Sunday school teacher. And then she walked off. <laughs> I, and so I asked her, I said, why don't you teach Sunday school now? She goes, oh, no, I couldn't do that. But you used to? Listen, God don't need our used-to-be's. 
He needs our right now, in this moment. And some people think, well, I've done my part. It's down now for the youth to take over. Where are they at? Where are they at right now? Hey, listen, we've got to get busy. It ain't, there's no time for retirement in, in the church. There's no time for retirement in Christianity. God needs helpers. He needs people to go and do those things, especially when he prompts you to do them, when he leads you, when he tugs at your heart, and you know those things God wants you to do. And we need to stop pushing them away. It could be something small. Is it writing letters to those people that maybe miss church service and maybe write them and say, hey, we miss you. Could it be your missionaries that you support? Write a letter and say, hey, we're praying for you at outreach. We love you. We're praying for you. Could it be just simply inviting someone to church? Maybe if you got social media accounts, maybe just posting, hey, can't wait for church tomorrow. Why don't you come join me? Simple little things like that. So many little things can help when it comes to the Lord's work. But maybe God's asking you to do those things and you keep saying, no, I, somebody else would be good at that. I know a lot of people do that. Call Somebody needs help, and people come to you, oh, you know, so-and-so would be so good at that. You ought to go and ask them to do that. What about you? Look, there's no guarantee that anything that we ever do will ever be seen or known by anybody. It may never be known in this world, and it doesn't matter. As long as we're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, doing what is pleasing in God's eyes, that's all that counts. It don't matter what man thinks. Who knows? You may do something that ultimately leads someone to a life-changing event. The gospel changes lives. It could be something as simple as telling somebody your testimony. How long has it been since you said, let me tell you about when the Lord saved me. I was way back in such and such. We was at this church and and, you know, the Lord convicted me. I was talking to a man uh, last night about salvation. Trying, he's trying to get some assurance about it. And he went back to the time when he was 18 and felt the Lord called him to go up and, and, and get saved. And uh, we talked about so many things in the Bible. I, I took him all the way back to the book of Genesis and worked our way through. And uh, we talked about the things of the Lord so he could get that assurance. And he said that he did as we talked about the gospel and what it meant to be saved. Listen, it could be just you simply telling someone. Uh, maybe somebody's been you know, questioning their salvation or questioning their need to be in church or their need to read God's Word. You could be the one to change their life. Look, before Jesus departed from this earth and went on to sit on the right hand of the Father, this is what he said, Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you sincerely think or do you sincerely desire to do God's will? I mean, don't we all, don't we desire to do God's will? But yet it's our flesh that causes us not to do it. Do you sincerely want your church to be the best that it can be? You sincerely want it that way? I do. Well, if God lays something in your heart to do, then we need to step out and do it. Stop putting it off. He may be waiting for you to do that thing that he's asked you to do. And before, until you do it, you're never going to see anything happen. What about you this morning? Are you in Troas waiting? Or are you in Troas pushing away? Which is it today? Are we going to be obedient to the Holy Ghost? Are we going to step out and do what God asks us to do? Or are we going to quench the Spirit?
Because that's what we do when we deny him. When we don't do what he says to do. We're quenching his spirit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today thanking you for the message. Lord, I'm praying, Lord, that you deal with our hearts and to show us the need, Lord, to be obedient to you, God. We know that's the only thing that you want from us. God, above our happiness, above anything else, our comfort, Lord, you want our obedience. And God, we want to give that to you today. I'm praying for each individual that's in this church today. God, that's listening to this message, Lord, if you will instill within their heart the need to be obedient, God, to do what you ask them to do, Lord, we may see a change. God, help those that may hear this later on, maybe, wherever it may be. God, if, if there's something that you need for us to do, Lord, that we'll do it. God, most of all, we're praying for that one that is lost today. Lord, maybe you've been convicting their heart. And Lord, they keep refusing you. God, would this be the day the Holy Spirit convicts that heart and shows them the need to be saved before it's too late? God, help them. Lord, help us reach them. Lord, help us today. We'll give you all the praise, the honor, and glory for it all. For these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And amen.